0: This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with StepWork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure nothing less. Now let's get started.
1: Hey everybody. I'm Jason S and I'm an addict and this is the just for today daily meditation reading for August 20th titled facing death often we have to face some type of crises during our recovery such as the death of a loved one basic text page 102 every life has a beginning and an end however when someone we love a great deal reaches the end of their life we may have a very hard time accepting their sudden final absence our grief may be so powerful that we fear it will completely overwhelm us but it will not our sorrow may hurt more than anything we can remember but it will pass we need not run from the emotions that may arise from the death of a loved one death and grieving are part of the fullness of living life on life's terms by allowing ourselves the freedom to express these feelings we partake more deeply of both our recovery and our human nature sometimes the recovery the reality of another's death makes our own mortality that much more pronounced. We reevaluate our priorities, appreciating the loved ones still with us all the more. Our life, and our life with them, will not go on forever. We want to make the most of what's most important while it lasts. We might find that the death of someone we love helps strengthen our conscious contact with our higher power. If we remember that we can always turn to that source of strength whenever we are troubled, we will be able to stay focused on it no matter what may be going on around us. Just for today, I will accept the loss of one I love and turn to my higher power for the strength to accept my feelings. I will make the most of my love for those in my life today.
0: In today's episode, we'll discuss the Just for Today meditation with our guest, Lee P. Hey, Lee, welcome to the Anonymous Podcast.
2: Thanks, Doug. Good to be here.
0: Glad you can make it, bro. So, Lee, could you share with us your clean date, where you attend meetings, and could you give your home group a shout out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm sorry. My clean date is 8-27-87. That's next week. Um, i got clean in New Orleans. I've lived all over the world and maintained my recovery in probably 10 different areas. And my home group is the best home group in the whole world right now. It's virtually it's the open mind group on Monday night out of New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Yeah. Good stuff, Lee. And, uh, um, you know, happy upcoming anniversary and and you're right. That home group is pretty awesome. So, So Lee, let's transition into the just for today. Could you share your thoughts on facing death?
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I was really grateful when you sent me that message. And I don't, even, I don't even know how to begin, Doug. Um, mm. So I'm going to quote something out of the reading. Death and grieving are part of the fullness of living life on life's terms, which makes me think about surrender and acceptance being keys in that. Um, the reason I said I don't know where to begin, back in 2000, I, I lost 21 people in 366 days, in a year and a day. And I actually eulogized uh, four of them because I was very close to a lot of them. And, and the experience was, uh, it was overwhelming. It was, it was painful. And a lot of the times I was caught up in the why me, like, why is this happening to me? Uh, what's the point, you know, why so many people that I love are dying? And one day I, I shared a new meeting in Dallas. I lived in Dallas for 15 years, Dallas, Texas. And a newcomer walked up and he said, Lee, what does it feel like? Because I shared and I cried during the meeting about loss. And the only thing I could come up with was like uh, an analogy from uh, that uh, Roadrunner cartoon where the coyote would be chasing a Roadrunner. And an anvil would just fall from the sky and pound mm. the coyote um, under the ground. At that time, I had no words to adequately describe uh, how it felt. So in that period toward the end, I had been sponsoring a guy named Keith M. Uh, he was from Dallas, Texas, but he lived in New Orleans. And I was from New Orleans and I lived in Dallas, Texas. Go figure. Uh, I had the honor and privilege to sponsor him for 10 years. And I was up in my office in Seattle and I got a call from his wife saying, you've got to come home right now. We don't think he's going to make it. So like, if that was on a Thursday, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't leave, I had too many responsibilities. So I left the, the next day, like on a Friday. And uh, and it wasn't a spiritual journey. I got taken off the plane by some federal marshals because I lost it because the plane broke the second time. And it, it just kept giving me further and further delays. But so the marshals took me off a plane, put me on a direct flight. I get to New Orleans, I race to the hospital, hallways full of, of members and they're all crying and stuff. And I go into Keith's room and he's little like a child. The cancer is eating him up really, really a lot, you know? and his wife is sitting on the bed and his two daughters were sitting on the bed. And Linda, his wife says to me, Lee, you know, he tried to wait for you, but I don't think he's gonna make it. And so I just kissed her on the forehead and walked around the bed and just kinda was, I don't know, like overwhelmed with grief. Um, Cause he was just a great human being, great recovering addict, really good sponsee. Um, So I I grabbed his hand, uh, Doug, and while I was holding his hand, his head moved, and he opened his eyes, and he looked at me, and he kind of smiled as much as he could, and that that was the moment he left. Mm. And the feeling was something I couldn't, like, how could death be spiritual? Like, he went, I felt him go everywhere. And, and and that experience changed my life forever, forever, man. I mean, so prior to that, loss was always uh, dealt with initially with anger. And I want to drop the five stages of grief in case somebody is struggling with losing somebody right now. There's five stages we're going to go through, and there's no way around it. Believe me, I tried everything. and And it's anger, denial, bargaining sadness, and then finally acceptance. And acceptance is one of our biggest spiritual principles in, in the Narcotics Anonymous program. So, so I had been taught to try acceptance early on and predicated on the situation was whether I would do it or not. But when I would do it, I would get relief. But for some reason, it took me a long time to, to get through that grieving with him Mm. um another part of it said that it strengthens my conscious contact with my higher power and to me this is this is amazing maybe not to anyone else but we say the third step you know in our in our step work and and it's a part of our journey into connecting to to the god of our understanding and if you don't like the g word to our higher power to whatever we call it And in this process, I kept turning into that third step so frequently, I started saying it like a prayer, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my mind. And what would happen, it would bring me to a state of presence, which a lot of times in loss, when someone dies, people become not present you know what i mean they're they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about oh what food are we going to eat oh let's have a repast cuz new orleans uh, the repast is a party it's not a it's not like a funeral at all but what came what came through through reaching out to my higher power through the third step the third step became a prayer and i can use it anytime in any situation and especially mm-hmm. in this particular thing, that the death, dying, and grieving. And so, earlier when I started, I said to you, I didn't know why all those people transitioned in my life, And, and then you fast forward to 10 years ago, and the answer came, which it always does. The answer to our struggles, our challenges, our successes, our failures, will always come clear in time as long as I stay clean and stay in the process. So Mm -hmm. a little over 10 years ago, I get a phone call from a couple siblings saying, Hey, mom is, uh, you know, she's almost 90 years old, probably more like 12 years. Doug, I'm sorry. Mom is almost 90 years old. Uh, she's starting to kind of lose her faculties and she needs somebody to take care of her. And then in their logic, They said, this is so stupid, you're not married, you don't have any children, so you can take care of her. (laughs) So, you know, I I didn't agree with that initially. Um, But what I did do was shift everything around in my life um, to be financially able to do that. And so um, the result of, 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 all that loss in, in those years and in other years, because I had a sponsor die from pancreatic cancer. I've had uh, a ton of people close to me die for different reasons. But mm-hmm. what, what I found out, what, what came clear to me was that I was being prepared for something which up to that phone call from my siblings, I didn't know what I was being prepared for. And so from that day, or very shortly after, 10 years, her last 10 years, I was her primary caregiver and we would go on these outrageous road trips, like 3,000 mile road trips, and she'd be in the back of a, like a rental car, like a Chrysler 300. (laughs) And we would just tear it up. We ended up going all the way from down here back up to Seattle. I'd already mm. lived in Seattle once and I always said if I could do it again I would. So we stayed up there for, for five or six years. And 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 all of the things I had to go through with her, the prior losses had prepared me for. Her. And and I know I don't have a whole lot of time and I didn't start a timer, Doug, so I don't know how far uh I've gotten. No, we 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 got about five or six left. Okay, cool. And so, so in that ten-year span, I got clarity from loss, which was preparing me to deal with with my mother. Mm. Um, when I was little, she was she was everything, until I started using drugs at eleven. My mother was everything. And then I drifted away, you know, how we doing active addiction and I got trouble. I went in the military, so I was never around her. Uh, My addiction never really impacted her negatively uh, until I hit my first bottom in 1985. And so her and I had this amazing relationship And and that's because of Nacogues Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous makes us good sons and good Mm -hmm. daughters, you know? Um, And so I'm going to try to get this last little story in here because it's important. So I I had a sponsor when I first got to Dallas in 1998, Uh, one of the biggest criminal defense attorneys in Dallas. Didn't make any sense arguing with this guy. You know what I'm saying? He got paid. He was a millionaire <laughs> right. because he was so good at arguing. So he kept me pretty, pretty chill. Um, but during his transition, I would go. You know, I leave the office around five and go sit at the hospital with him. And he was so out of it, he never knew I was there. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe about a year prior to this, I saw on uh, on the news. That some drug addicts broke into a pharmacy through the roof, went down a rope to get this new drug called OxyContin, mm. and then they shot up all the drugs and they couldn't climb back up the rope. So the police just came in in the morning, handcuffed them and took them to jail. You know. Mm. So my my disease made a mental note. Hmm, that must be some really good stuff, bro. So I'm sitting in the room with my sponsor, Tim, on his deathbed, maybe about four days before he transitioned. And like I said, he's talking gibberish. He doesn't, I don't even know if he knew I was there, but I knew I was there. And that's that's what matters, our presence. And so I look over on his uh, bedside table, and there's a big pill bottle full of pills. And I'm grieving, Doug. I'm hurting up in there. You hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. And all I'm seeking is the absence of pain. I'm caught up in the moment, so I'm not really thinking recovery. I'm caught up in the pain I'm in. So I grab the pill bottle, and guess what? I'll fold to the top probably 200 pills of that drug Oxycontin. Hmm. So I, I look at it. Then the next thing I think, well, I'm in a hospital, so I know I can find a syringe, and then Then the next thing was recovery. Somebody's voice said, man, you need to call your sponsor. Well, my sponsor's laying that dying, but I was smart enough to have gotten a temporary because I know Tim was on his way out. So I called this guy, Craig. I said, Craig, listen, bro, I got a whole bottle of this Oxycontin drug, and I'm crying. I'm sitting here in pain, and I really feel like shooting some up. He said, Lee, call the nurse and give her the pills, and he hung up click. So I was like, damn, that's kind of insensitive. Two, five, ten minutes later, him and about ten people come in the room dude. I'm surrounded with people yeah. in the I did call the nurse and gave her the pills and I said you probably should put these up somewhere because you know, Tim's mm-hmm. friends aren't the the, <laughs> the normal type people. Right, right. <laughs> so 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 amidst the pain I was seeking the absence of pain, in the first thought the disease got the first thought and said, "Man, shoot up this drug, you'll feel mm-hmm. better." But the recovery was in there, and I'm grateful the recovery was in there, and so it it kicked in, um, and and all was well, bro. So um, and, and I like how the folks
0: showed up for you too, like in your yeah. time of need, like you're there for Tim's time of need. And then um and then your people show up for your time of need. And that, and that's really indicative of narcotics anonymous as a whole, isn't it? I mean we, we, we show up, man. When people that's need us, true. we show up and when we need people, they show up.
2: Check this out. I told you I busted my knee and I tore my right calf muscle pretty bad. Mm. I've probably got a person in and a day who will come and get me or bring me food. Somebody brought me some gumbo and a rack of water. About, so I'm trying to
0: set something way. like that up now, man. I'm
2: yeah, trying to I'm set talking that about, up right now. <laughs> no, no, that's happening right now, is what I'm saying. So, so I've got me a little schedule made up with, with, with the people I love, and they love me, and they're ready to do anything I need, bro. And, and I had do never, that, that's right, never ever found that prior to being in recovery. Mm. Mm.
0: Another link in the chain, man.
2: Yeah, right, 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 that's good stuff. And so, and so, loving those here even more with being <laughs> present. That was in that that reading, Doug. Right. And and uh, I didn't tell you this, but back in the early days of my recovery, we actually worked on draft material for just for the Day, and it works how and why. And then at the World Service Conference, we approved it for publication. I was actually sent there by the Louisiana region uh, back in 1992. And we approved this literature. And one of the neat things about Narcotics Anonymous literature is that it's written by us for us. Hmm. And if you give me one more second, I want to plug the SPAD, S-P-A-D, at NA.org. If you like writing and literature, you could get involved in in the next upcoming book that we have. The Spad Project at na dot o r g, and what he's talking
0: about is the spiritual principles a day, yeah, and that's it. That's going to be fabulous, man.
2: That's good I stuff. It. I agree yeah. with you, yes, sir.
0: And you know, and I get uplifted anytime, anytime somatics are willing to put some, you know, to put some time, some prayer, you know, their resources into it, and with the primary purpose of saying, look, man, we we're, we're, we're there's people dying to get what we have. Let's kick it up to them. And, uh, and, and so I'll, I'll be supporting that for sure. So Lee, look, let's transition. Um, I like to ask all the guests who come on one final question to wrap up the episode. So Lee, you've been clean a really long time, bro. If you could, if you could sit down with Lee P with one day clean, one week clean, (laughs) knowing what you know now, right. Walking the walking this road, as long as you have been, could you share with us what, what you would, what you would tell him?
2: First, I would try to get him to stay still, Doug, because he was, he was a spaz. <laughs> he was all over the place. Right. Um, I would probably say to him to give yourself a break and stay in the 12-step continuum as a process. Because, like you said, taking what I know today back to there, that has been the thing that changed me from that spastic, crazy drug addict to, Mm. to the human being recovering addict uh, that I am today.
0: Thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the anonymous podcast I encourage you all to focus on that magic six letter word others. As we go out into the world, stop by the Facebook page fellowship with other guests or send me a text. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Douglas L. Namaste and God bless.